Well, all is peaceful in uh, Hadfield train station at the moment, it seems. And uh, we're starting our journey today from Hadfield train station because it's been here for many, many moons. But maybe for people who live in this area, you might not know that in this particular section, well, Hadfield, Padfield, Timwhistle, many of the reservoirs were filled with mills at one point. So I thought we've got to do an episode about the mills. So today we'll walk from Hadfield train station uh, down to where the bridge is. Uh, we'll walk down Station Road, cross over the roundabout where the new lamp in is, and then head to where the bridge is, as if you pass from Hadfield to Timwhistle, um, up towards uh, um, Pixies and New Road. We'll stop at the bridge there where the River Etherow crosses. Um, I've got a great guest today because I have to say, I don't know much about mills, but like I've said in previous episodes, what Kate Rain doesn't know about mills in this area, it's just not worth knowing. You are, I think your middle name should be Mill, Kate Mill Rain. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, shall we start walking? And um, Kate, you are one of the people who is at Glossop Heritage Trust. And I have to say, this is a passion, isn't it? It's not necessarily something you even get paid for. Is that right? Uh, yes, the trust is entirely voluntary run. And our passion is telling people about the history of places so they can make a real connection to the place where they live uh, and help to build a community by knowing about their past. Yeah, and you know, we met Roger the other day. He, he loves to geek out on the tracks and the traffic and you know all that side of things uh, we met tim yesterday he was talking about some of the archaeology and the stonemason marking but another big part of the history here is mills and as we come to um the the you know the main kind of uh, turning point in hadfield where we've got the palantine pub we've got hadfield hall D D news agents i mean i actually do i have a map in my hand which is dated 1907 or a 1910 edition i think it says if it was a lot of change in three years i guess there probably was <laughs> at this time was, yes <laughs> um and even at this point um there were many different mills in this area i mean station mill where Mul- Mulvern rise is now that's a fairly newish housing estate can you kind of tell us about some of the the families that would have lived in around hadfield padfield at this time so in Hadfield in Padfield in 1907, you had Station Mills, as you've just mentioned. That was owned by the Platt family. So they were big philanthropists in the area, um, as is the... They, across the road, they built, as we can see in front of us, Hadfield Hall. I know, and yeah, they donated it to the community, didn't they? So they could have a reading room, yes. which is brilliant and for the people And a public assembly room. Yeah. So lots of celebrations have gone on in the hall and coronations and uh, other celebrations. <laughs> I mean, because the, the, the day that they kind of... Um, I saw some fo- black and white photos when the War Memorial was... Um, uh, I don't know what the exact word is. Was officially opened. Dedicated, it's not, yeah. That's it. That's, <laughs> that's it. I knew you'd know the word. Um, and, and this area was absolutely packed. And even on Memorial Day um, and Remembrance Day these days, there are still hundreds of people who come here with a brass band. Um, so the Platt family, big players in this particular area. Yes, they definitely were. And they lived at Mersey Bank, yep. which is now a nursing home. Oh. Um, and But 
at times of celebration they would uh, have the community into their home uh, the school children would come to a tea party uh, they would set out um, teas in uh, normally St Andrew's uh, school room um, so big philanthropists <laughs> and this whole area of Station Road was completely different um, I mean I live fairly near this bit and I, the photos I've seen have been of trams running up and down Station Road I guess to collect the people to go to work yeah, so the tram system was set up in 1903 and it ran from Old Glossop right down at Glossop High Street, past Dinting um, Printworks and up Woolly Bridge into, into Hadfield. Oh, if only we could have that now, it'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? It wasn't very successful in its day though, oh. uh, <laughs> because obviously with all the hills in Glossop, the buses did a much better job. Yeah. Now this particular road obviously had so many different shops. I mean, even now, some of the shops we've got today, the post office, uh, the Twig Coffee Shop, one of my favourites, uh, the bakery, Boots, Brigadoon, op Opticians. Um, but there was so many things happening on here. I mean, the Butchers, which has now closed, was here in the very early days, wasn't it? Um, and I understand the bakery, when I looked into, was a printer's. Um, so why would you have a printers on a main road? It just yeah, it's fascinating. It really, this really was the, the commercial hub of, of the of the village <laughs> or town. Um, this is where everyone got their supplies. There was hundreds of people working in in the mills around here. Uh, so obviously they needed everything that, instead of walking all the way to Glossop. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! The greyhound saying hello very happily. The the, the map I have here, which um, I went and dug out last night because myself and Tim, if you haven't listened to yesterday's episode, we went on a bit of a, a wander down Station Road, turned off at Lambgate, uh, round where the back of like a little brook is and walked through Roughfields um, and across uh, Pabfield Main Road. And we wandered down the back of Lambgate and we saw all these kind of fence posts, but we couldn't work out what they were. And so I dug out a map that was donated to me by someone of this 1907, you know, version of Hadfield Padfield. And there I realised that the bits that we were looking at yesterday was part of another mill, White Mill. Who would have thought it? And it's got a little mill pond and... I mean, it, it seems very small compared to the fact that there were much bigger ones all around, although it does say disused. Yeah, so... Even then. <laughs> <laughs> in the late 18th century is when the mills first started appearing in this area. Uh, when the earliest was Brookside, which we'll come to later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they, they processed woolen cloth at first, and it was only in the early 19th century that they started converting to cotton. But at that time, the power was still either by water water wheels so we didn't have the big um, kind of steam power from the engines that later on um, so the original mills were all quite small so we're talking about the 1820s here like uh, early 19th century uh, and white mill was one such mill i think built by the fawnleys um, who we will also come to later <laughs> Uh, but um, by the time some of the bigger mills started being established after the introduction of steam power, uh, the smaller ones just got disused. Right. Gosh. Okay. So there was obviously, yeah, Station Mill, it actually says here, was a cotton mill. The people kind of living around here, I mean, 
my house we think dates back to 1892 just up you know one of these streets so the expansion of Hadfield and this area must have just blown up since like I don't know, 1830, 1840? So the, the original centre of, of the village of Hadfield uh, would have been uh, near where the Old Cross is now, where Hadfield Old Hall is. We've just walked past <laughs> the, uh, the turning for it, Kiln Lane, so we've just passed Tesco, and the turning up there takes you to where that... Well, the cross isn't there anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. So that date has a date stone on it of 1646, if I'm correct. Oh, you know what? Uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> So that, that was the village. So it was just centred around that bit. So after the mills started uh, coming up, especially when they had their big expansion between uh, the 1830s to 1860s, uh, this is when the town of Hadfield, as we know now, uh, started really expanding. Uh, and that's why many of the buildings are 1890s, late 19th century uh, terraced housing. See, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just going to cross over the road if it is safe to do so yes it is uh, on the corner of uh, a turning called Osborne Place there is actually a date stone here and this looks like it's one of the early ones because I'm sure it says 1855 it does <laughs> there we go Osborne Place 1855 so that gives a bit of a um a sense so let's kind of move to some of the bigger mills then we're we're going to be turning eventually to to go past the roundabout by the new lamp in um waterside mill is the one that everyone seems to talk about what happened there so waterside mill was the biggest mill cotton spinning mill in the area um when you say the area like do you mean like bigger than glossop or just in this little our little patch in glossop dale so that wow. is hadfield glossop Come on, uh, Charlesworth, Simonley, <laughs> all of those, um, and it was also the the longest living. So we think it's one of the earliest mills that was built, uh, and it was also one of the last to close. Gosh, okay. So Waterside was owned by who? It had different owners throughout its history. It started off as a filling mill, so processing wooden cloth. Yeah. That was in the 1760s. That's when it was called Brookside. Uh-huh. Uh, then uh, a bit later on, probably around the 1780s, it was um, purchased by two gentlemen called John Thornley and John Turner. Hang on a sec, I recognise their names. <laughs> I think I recognise their names from a bit further downstream. Yes, oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> So um, they owned several mills in the area uh, and some of those no longer exist or the buildings don't exist because they're underneath the reservoir. Okay, so I think where you, I know where you're going. So many people, I suppose, know about Vale House Reservoir, the fact that there was a mill town there and it was flooded. And I'm guessing that they had something to do with that. Uh, they sure did. <laughs> did they build it? Did they run it? What did they do? They built it. Uh, and they run it until they went bankrupt in 1824. Right, so when it actually got flooded, was it in use then? It was still in... Well, it just about stopped being in use um, because they didn't convert to steam power, so they were still using the water wheels, so it wasn't economically viable. Right. If you don't keep up with the times, no. you're not staying in business. So the people are... I mean, it's worth just kind of touching on Vale House for one second because a lot of people have heard about the Whispering Chimney 
um, and the myth of this whispering chimney. Apparently, when the, the reservoirs were flooded, the only bit that remained was this huge chimney that stuck out from the water. And I understand that eventually it had to get knocked down because when people were getting the train on the Woodhead line through to Sheffield, they were all going on one side of the carriage and that the train company was scared that the train would tip over. Yeah, that's so they asked for it to be demolished. <laughs> that is the story. See, the, the chimney was close to people's heart. And vale House was a, a town in itself, a, a village in itself. Uh, there were several hundred uh, workers that worked there. So they had their own pub, they had their own school, they had their own church, they lived in the houses down there because it was quite far from, from Tintwistle. Uh, even in the baptism registers, people are recorded as being born there uh, as, as a village in its own right. So when the mill closed down in 18, when it was flooded in 1869, the people had quite an attachment to it. Uh, so they sent in a petition that the mill chimney should remain. So that's why it wasn't knocked down at the time. Right. <laughs> and I understand when it was windy, people could hear it whistling as well. Yeah, the wind blew through and made all kinds of... <laughs> kind of whispering, kind of whistling sounds. Yeah, like a, the ghosts of the valley or something, <laughs> I suppose. Um, right, well, we have uh, crossed over. We're walking, um, crossed over where the roundabout is, the Lulab Inn. We're walking down Waterside. And in fact, why don't we just cross over whilst it's quiet? It gets quite busy, this road. So if you're walking, um, listening to us, make sure you're careful with the traffic. Um, so here now where waterside mill would have been is just an industrial estate you know there's it's very used there's lots and lots of different companies there's gyms there's car garages um and there is a sign i think a little bit further down um for the uh, hadfield and padfield heritage trail i mean there were so many children that worked at this mill is what the board says and and, and they died many people died here it was a dangerous place to work uh, Mills will, was a very dangerous place to work and a lot of the children would have been crawling underneath machinery to connect the threads together and doing <laughs> some very dangerous jobs but as time moved on and conditions improved and laws were passed um, that children had to go to school till a certain age uh, but even still towards the end of the 19th century um, children were beginning the mills at the age of 10 as as standard uh, there was a lovely article i found uh, in a newspaper about a lady that retired from um hearse mill in i think about 1948 and she she'd worked in the mills from the age of 10 so she started in the 1890s wow. and she'd worked from the mills all her life starting off with in some of the mills up here I think she started off in in Hadfield Mill in Padfield goodness me now am I right in thinking somewhere on the other side of the road there's a flag blowing um uh, over on the other side did one of the mill owners have like a, a, a significant house over here I was trying to read or one of the families who ran this mill um so this mill, after Thornley and Turner uh, were running the mill, uh, when John Thornton died in 1790, um, Turner brought the Thornley family out, so he was running the mill by himself. And then when he died, his son William carried on the mill until about the 1820s. Mm. 
And in 1820, we have the, the major family that was in this mill, the Sidebottom family. Yes. So they had owned mills in Broadbottom. Yep. Uh, and they also um, were starting mills in Hollingsworth. So they uh, lived at Millbrook House. Okay, uh, which is just on the Woodhead Pass or Manchester Road. What was it? The Manchester to Saltersbrook Turnpike, yes. as it was known then, I guess. <laughs> Uh, but then one of the sons uh, came out here in 1820 and purchased the mill from William Turner and that's when this mill really started expanding it's quite small towards that point um, so then they really moved over to to kind of cotton spinning and weaving in a big way because they introduced the steam engine Okay, and was it one of the side bottoms that lived in this area? Then I think I recognise that name. So yeah, the side bottoms lived in say the family that say lived in this area. Uh, one of the brothers had a house in within the site, right. uh, and then they were living in some of the big houses, big houses around. But the side bottom is is one of the major milling families around, not just here but in in Glossop as well. Right. Um, so they rapidly expanded the site uh, from the 1820s well into the 1860s they were still building new mills so the, the, the complex was made up of lots of different mill buildings um, so they were producing uh, calico that was then being transported down to Dinting Print Works where they were printing all the lovely patterns onto it in Edmunds Potter's factory which were then being sold. So is calico basically like a type of ink? Uh, calico is the cotton, it's the, it's, right. the, it's the weave of the cotton. And so then Edmund Potter, you know, grandfather of Beatrix Potter, and people may not know that, um, was, was, he was pretty much the daddy in dinting, let's put it nicely that way. And the stuff that they were printing, was it, um, you know, like patterned shirts or patterned skirts or, or, or what kind of stuff were they doing? Uh, so it was dress fabric, so fabric that was going to be transported off and made into dresses. Mm. Uh, but they also did um, fabric for kind of curtains and upholstery. It's amazing, isn't it? Because the textile industry, I think, you know, there's been so many people who've worked in that kind of world over the years. I mean, as it, as times went on, um, you know, in kind of this, well, not this century, actually, we're, it's 22, 23 years into a new century. In the 20th century, there was, I love the idea that there were things like peanut butter, custard powder, cocoa, yam pickle, spam, <laughs> was all being made here. You know, the smell of the area around here must have been mad. Yes, it must have been bad from the production, but also um, it's, it's very easy to forget just how smoky around here. The mills had massive chimneys that would have been churning out smoke and, and because there were so many in the area, there would have been a, a, a smoky haze, <laughs> which you can see often in quite a lot of the old photographs where the background's not quite as clear <laughs> as you would think. Yeah, it's like the day when people used to smoke in, uh, in pubs. Everything just had a haze in the air. I mean, it's saying here that during the Second World War, um, this particular mill produced fabric for parachutes and uh, and barrage balloons. I don't even know what barrage balloons is. Is it barrage? I don't know how to say that word. I'm just making it sound posh. Um, Okay, I mean, yeah, that kind of gives a 
flavour, I suppose. There's so much more. You go into a lot more detail on your articles on the Glossop Heritage Trust website. And, you know, if people want to dig into that and really understand all the different chapters that went there. I mean, how did it, how did it end in, in, in the end? So the side bottoms really made this mill one the biggest in the area. Um, but by 1890s, things were on a downturn. Um, a lot of the family uh, were second generation and they were interested in local politics and even national politics with some of them becoming MPs. Uh, so the heart just wasn't in <laughs> running the factory. And then with the downturn in the cotton industry as well, by the 1890s, um, things were coming to a halt. Uh, I think in 1899, the, well, in the 1890s, the mill was brought out by Gartsides and Company and then later became part of the Calico Printers Association. So that was a consortium of... Um, Lots of different mills and calico printing factories uh, all over the UK. Wow. I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's amazing. Now we're going past a sign where, you know, these days there's a bit of joinery, there's bodywork, uh, there's roof specialists. I mean, you know, that it's, that we're looking down into the industrial estate. There's lorries there. Well, there is another mill that we are coming up to, which I notice is on the map, which says um, Bridge Mill. And that came to not such a great end. Uh, this may be a way of putting it nicely. Uh, 1899, a fire broke out on the top of the mill. I've seen some of the black and white photos and it was described as a tragedy um, for the village of Timwhistle. Um, I couldn't work out whether people had um, died or what had happened, but I understand hundreds of people came to see um, as the mill, the mill collapsed. It took days for them um, to put the fire out and take it apart. It was seemed dangerous. Um, I remember reading in one book, you know, there were worries that people were trapped in the mill as well. But, I mean, who owned Bridge Mill? Who was that connected to? So Bridge Mill was part of the Waterside Complex, and um, so all this big estate down to Hadfield. Two of the brothers owned this side of the mill and the other brother owned the other side of the mill. Oh dear. But, <laughs> but later on it was all just under the under the company um, of, of Waterside Mills. So Bridge Mill, after the fire, uh, there was not much left. Uh, so it wasn't included in, in the sale to Gartsides. Right. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, it just, it's mad, isn't it, to think that all these people would have been uh, walking here to work or getting the tram to work, and now we're just approaching the traffic lights for the bridge. The River Etherow flows through, and obviously one of the big reasons that the reservoirs were built um, was to get more water so the mills downstream could work. Yeah, so the reservoirs uh, were, were built to supply water to Manchester drinking water yeah. but obviously all the mills that were along the river Effero uh, suddenly wouldn't have the water supply they were used to yeah. uh, so the last two mills Bottoms and Vale House are actually compensation reservoirs uh, to ensure that the water still flows uh, for all the mill owners Wow and I mean this the water now as we look at it I mean it looks pretty clean to me, you know, there's not 
any strange colours and weird foamy bits on it. I hope not anyway, but back then there must have been dye from the cottons. I mean, was it like this romantic, clean stream that we're thinking of? Um, probably not. Um, so there was bleaching processes and dyeing processes, which um, caused all sorts of colours. There's a, a Longclough Brook in Glossop was also known as Kemi Brook. <laughs> wow. I mean, you know, that's like... Uh, chemical problems of the 19th century i mean this is a huge bridge you imagine them building this the size of the stones on this bridge i mean we're going to wrap up um this particular walk today here um we could see Christchurch just on the hill in front and we can't yet see the reservoirs because the steep bank um kind of blocks it but we could see people walking their dogs up the ramp there are birds in front of us yeah, we'll get into more about the Tint Whistle side um, and along some, some more of the mills along uh, bottoms and into the reservoirs in another episode, do you think? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> we can't mill you out too much all in one go. Um, but like I say, there, this is a fascinating bit of history and whilst there's been lots of talk and research about the mills of Glossop, there is also that history out there for this side of uh, town too of Hadfield and Padfield so do go and check out Glossop Heritage Trust uh, website. I will pin some of the photos and some of the articles um, that I have access to on our, on our map on londondaletales.co.uk. In the meantime I might turn away from the traffic, I might just gaze out this way towards the river, it's a pretty wide bank right now, you can just about hear it flowing and all the brambles next to it and the skips and the new houses but hey next time we'll be back on the reservoirs in the wind in the cold and i hope that i remember both of my gloves have a great day bye bye